this is Jeff Coburn. We welcome you to another Disney at Play podcast. We appreciate you joining us. You know, in only a few days, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway Train will premiere at the Chinese Theater at Disney's Hollywood Studios. This is going to be a big event, big attraction coming to Walt Disney World and not too long from now at Disneyland out in California. But before we all get on board to this new attraction and get excited about what it might offer to us, perhaps we should pay homage to its ancestor, the Great Movie Ride. This post and podcast is a tribute to that experience and my 10 favorite things about it. Be sure not only to listen to the podcast, but check out our notes page on disneyatplay.com because we show lots of image lots of images, lots of videos, and other kinds of things that uh, highlight uh, this incredible attraction. The Great Movie Ride opened with the rest of the Disney MGM Studios in May, May 1st actually, of 1989. As the Disney News summarized it, through the Chinese theater, enter the magical world of movies. Favorite films from Hollywood's earliest days to today's hits come to life through the wizardry of audio animatronics. Let me share with you 10 things that I think are so fantastic about The Great Movie Ride. My first favorite, number 10, is actually The Great Moments Movie Scene. Yeah, we're actually gonna start at the end of the attraction. Um, and because it's actually uh, one of the really great parts of this uh, experience. It's the finale. Here there are roughly 120 films represented in this montage. Here are just a few of the great one-liners of this finale scene and as I read them uh, see if you can guess who it was that said it and in what movie they said it in. The first, we didn't need dialogue. We had faces. Then there was this quotation. Wait a minute. You ain't heard nothing yet. Here's perhaps a more familiar one. I'll be back. Another familiar one. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. This one is not just one person saying, but actually two persons. You know who they are. I feel the need, the need for speed. This famous actor made this comment. I'm going to make him an offer. He can't refuse. Most people know this one. Good morning, Vietnam. Here's another one that is infamous. Here's looking at you, kid. And then finally, one appropriate to Disney's Hollywood Studios. The Force will be with you always. You recognize these quotations? I love this montage, you know, for many years and even even since it's closed I often have conversations with my children and with other family members about f great movies and whether you've seen a certain movie or not and oftentimes I'm referencing the snippet from this montage the individual who created it was Chuck Workman it's actually based on a similar film he did for the 50th anniversary of the Directors Guild for that effort he won an Oscar for Best Live Action Short Film in 1987. 
In addition to the most recent version of this montage, which was done when TCM became the sponsor, you can actually go to our show notes page and see the video of um, Precious Images that was done by Chuck Workman. When you compare the two, you'll see a lot of similar, similar moments that he pulls out um, in both of those montages. That is number 10. It is the Great Moments movie scene at the end and finale of the attraction. Number nine, neon, inside and out. One of the things I love most about Disney's Hollywood Studios, especially at night, is the beautiful use of neon on Hollywood and Sunset Boulevards. Even over there at uh, Primetime Cafe and in other locations, you get these incredibly beautiful uh, scenes. I just, I just love these marquees and how they light up. That same look and feel was extended to the signage for the Great Movie Ride. You'll remember that outside it said the Great Movie Ride, originally uh, sponsored by Coca-Cola, later sponsored by TCM. Um, originally, actually, the uh, original sponsor intended for the Great Movie Ride didn't last long was Sears Department Store. But the best marquee of all, best marquee on Hollywood, Sunset, anywhere in the park, was the one where you entered the movies as part of the attraction. That marquee had the most amazing use of lighting design found anywhere in the entire park. And all of it was time to the song Hooray for Hollywood. And it just, with the beats of that, Hooray for Hollywood. And then each of those little segments of lights came up. And when it all came together, it was movie magic. And speaking of Hooray for Hollywood, that's number eight. I love the music. You know, you just can't have a great Disney attraction without a great song. And I think Hooray for Hollywood was the perfect song. It was played as the whole vehicle loading and unloading process occurred during the great movie ride. So we had it at the beginning of the attraction and at the end as we came to the end. We were clearly stepping onto a soundstage, but one that showcased Los Angeles and Hollywood. So it wasn't just the song itself, but you went into Hollywood. It looked like a hot set, but the background were, background was places you could see in Los Angeles and in that area. You could see the mountains in the background. And as the attraction got underway, the lights came up and it was just, it was movie magic. As we boarded our ride vehicles, we could hear sounds similar to film production getting ready to shoot. Soon the show was underway and so was our ride vehicles. All set again to the song, Hooray for Hollywood. I love Hollywood and I think it was a great um, homage to just that, to the physical place of Hollywood as you um, went through that. By the way, the song, Hooray for Hollywood, um, was first featured in the 1937 film, Hollywood Hotel. And it's been an anthem of sorts for decades. And why not for the great movie ride? With lyrics like, Go out and try your luck. You might be Donald Duck. How could the song not be part of the great movie ride? It is a great song for a great ride. And that's why Hooray for Hollywood is on my top 10 list. Number seven, Hidden History, 
Hollywood and otherwise. Throughout this attraction, there were so many hidden gems, details, Easter eggs, hidden Mickeys found in the great movie ride. Some alluded to historical events, while others were about the movies themselves. Here's some examples. Many people didn't know that there was a hidden, rare hidden mini in a profile near the gazebo on the mural as the guests boarded the ride, that, that mural of Hollywood. Um, likewise, there was a silhouette of Mickey um, also found in the gangster scene. The, um, the license plate in the gangster scene is actually has the number 021-429. This is a reference to the Valentine's Day Massacre that took place on February 14th, 1929 in Chicago. Movie westerns are noted throughout the scene. Now you'll recall that in the great movie ride, there was like two profiles of ride experience. One actually slowed down and stopped in the uh, gangster area, and the other slowed down and stopped in the uh, frontier town. And with each of them, you had different, different um, scenes that occurred that we'll talk about in a few minutes. Um, but in the Western section, boy, there were, there were lots of references. For instance, the Cochise County Courthouse is a reference to the county in Arizona where the town of Tombstone lies. Other tombstone references can be found nearby. A sign advertising Ransom Stoddard attorney was actually a reference to Jimmy Stewart and a film he made with John Wayne called The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. As you exited the frontier town, you'll recall you entered into what was called Todd's Livery Stable. This is actually a reference to the film High Noon. As you move from that barn scene, you came into the scene of Alien. If you looked out to the side on the left, there was a computer monitor down below and that monitor looked like a bunch of lines of code, but it actually paid homage to the Imagineers who crafted this uh, attraction. When you got to the Indiana Jones Well of the Souls scene, there were hieroglyphics all around the room. One of those hieroglyphics showed R2-D2 and C-3PO together. Another showed Pharaoh Mickey being served by an Egyptian servant that looked a lot like Donald Duck. Um, an official Disney magazine noted that the plane in the Casablanca scene was the same one used in the movie. An actual other promotional videos done when the attraction first opened also mentioned the same. In truth, that was not the plane used in Casablanca. Um, but what was true is that the other half of that plane was used in the Jungle Cruise and was the brunt for many a skipper joke um, that was told or that still is told today in the Jungle Cruise. Again, lots of little details, lots of thematic um, gems found uh, that showcase the hidden history of Hollywood and, and of history itself. Number six, animatronics. There were 59 audio animatronic figures incorporated into this attraction. Most of them were based on actors who appeared in the famed films that were featured on the ride. Included were, and just, I mean, this is a huge list of actors that had to have, that were represented in the great movie ride. 
First was Gene Kelly as Don Lockwood in Singing in the Rain. Next came Julie Andrews as Mary and Dick Van Dyke as Bert in the film Mary Poppins. Came, coming into the gangster scene, you found James Cagney as Tom Powers in The Public Enemy. Going into the frontier scene, you found John Wayne as Ethan Edwards from The Searchers. And you also found Clint Eastwood as the man with no name in The Man With No Name. <laughs> Moving on to the alien scene, we see Sigourney Weaver as Lieutenant Ellen Ripley. Harrison Ford is obvious as Indiana Jones, and along with him, John Rice Davies as Sala from the Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark. Moving forward to the jungle scene, we see Johnny Weissmuller as Tarzan, Maureen O'Sullivan, who later did many other Disney films, such as The Parent Trap, Cheetah, the monkey, and even Timba, the elephant. Yeah, I didn't even know he had a name. All from Tarzan. Humphrey Bogart as Rick Blaine and Ingrid Bergman as Ilse Lund in the infamous scene at the airport in Casablanca. Charlie Becker, Jerry Moran, and a host of munchkins from Munchkinland. Margaret Hamilton as the Wicked Witch of the West. Judy Garland as Dorothy, along with Toto, her dog. Ray Bulger as the Scarecrow. Jack Haley as the Tin Man. Bert Lauer as the Cowardly Lion. All, of course, are from The Wizard of Oz. Plus, beyond these famous actors uh, were other performers who were added to the attraction. Beans and Squid were apparently the names given to the two mobsters helping the gangster actor in the, uh, in the uh, gangster alley scene. Then there were three mobsters who appeared in a car. They seemed to be referred to as Boss and the Boys. When you got to the um, frontier scene, you had two animatronics there. Uh, one was Snake, that was the cowboy helping to rob the bank. And then um, uh, you had the sheriff up on the high porch whose likeness looked a lot like Thomas Jefferson. And then, of course, you had two alien figures. If you'll recall, the way that attraction was designed, it was intended for one alien figure to come out of the wall and to really scare everybody in one of the cars, and then a second alien figure descended from the ceiling and, uh, and paid attention uh, to the other car. Plus, in addition to all these, they had lots of snakes. Yeah, why does it have to be snakes? Rattling zombies and some 60 mannequin-sized showgirls from Footlight Parade. These figures had to uh, look like the actors who played them. In almost every situation, either the actor or their families and heirs to their estate made approvals from everything from face to hair to, to costume. Uh, the famous one that was often mentioned was Gene Kelly, who was still alive when the attraction opened. They often refer to him approving his, um, his uh, image as it appeared in the, uh, in the attraction. But there are other things that... Um, uh, little tidbits about some of these animatronic characters. John Wayne's belt buckle was actually a request of his family. He had passed on, 
but he had a certain belt buckle that he had created after shooting the film Red River. In fact, if I recall the story correctly, he actually would have belt buckles created um, for each of his films, and he would give them out as gifts to, um, to the crew and actors in the show. Um, but there was a special one made at Red River, and after that film, he never wore any other belt buckle than that particular one. It was actually on him as part of his scene in the frontier section. It was said that the Imagineers went to the estate of John Wayne first to get the approval for him before they went to any of the other actors. The belief was that if, if John Wayne was in and they could say, well, John Wayne's going to be in the great movie, right? Everyone else would join in. Um, and that seems to have been the case with the exception of one actor. Early on, Lee Marvin was considered to be the second actor that would appear in the frontier scene. Um, however, the Imagineers decided that they would portray him as the drunk he played in Cat Blue, and his descendants or estate didn't like that look. Even though he was very famous for that scene and for that film, they didn't like it, and they turned down having him in uh, in the uh, in the attraction. So at the last minute, Frank Wells, who had worked at Warner Brothers and had greenlit many of the Clint Eastwood movies, um, sought out Clint and got his approval. Um, that's why when you got to Clint Eastwood, you notice he didn't have a lot of movements. He didn't have a lot of uh, talking points. It's because it was all late timing in developing that animatronic. In fact, it is said that um, they didn't get his approval until um, the opening of Disney MGM Studios, and they had him come out. And up until that time, and if the if the show was playing, they had had a bag over Clint Eastwood's head because he had not signed the release form saying he was good to go. And apparently, they they uh, they took him out to dinner, uh, got him. Uh, uh, gave him all the drinks he needed, <laughs> put him on the ride, and he saw it. He said, is that me? He said, yeah. Do you like it? Yeah, that looks good. Well, sign here. <laughs> I think the signature actually got on paper before the uh, the uh, the bank <laughs> scene actually erupted in fire. Um, but that is the story behind uh, Clint Eastwood's appearance in The Great Movie Ride. Another um, infamous animatronic is the Wicked Witch of the West, which at that time was the most advanced audio animatronic of its, of its kind. It was called an A100 figure, and it had some 17 body functions, which allowed it to move quickly while absorbing the pressure on the entire body during a single movement by acting as sort of a shock absorber. This was something they called compliance. And a combination of the software with customized hydraulic value, values and hydraulic actuators kind of took out the so-called shake out of the figure, which you would see in earlier animatronic uh, figures. Now, nowadays we have more advanced animatronics such as the Shaman and Navi uh, River Journey and Hondo Anaka in Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run. But many of today's animatronics in the parks are still A100 figures from Jack Sparrow in Pirates of the Caribbean to Washington and President Lincoln and even President Trump in the Hall of Presidents. So A100 figures are still very common 
But the Wicked Witch of the West is the original. Now, some kind of guess as to where the Wicked of the West Witch of the West is today. I think he kind of looks like Kylo Ren in the last scene of Rise of the Resistance. But I understand that that's actually a more advanced figure. Others say that um, uh, that that figure became the new redhead in the um, revised Pirates of the Caribbean auction scene. So who knows where the Wicked Witch of the West resides today, but... Um, and who knows where all of those animatronics have since gone. I mean, where do you put Munchkin animatronics after after all those years? But hey, that is uh, one of the great things about this attraction is that they had a stunning number of animatronics. Not all of them were so great. You know, Sigourney Weaver never really quite looked the part, but I thought John Wayne was amazing. I thought that um, Bogart and Gene Kelly and and Judy Garland all looked great. By the way, Judy Garland's voice was uh, was narrated by his own daughter uh, Liza Minnelli. So um, so there is just a there's a lot of great great details and and great magic that's found in the audio animatronics. That was number four. Number five, I have to put as even higher and some great cast members. The cast members were truly part of the show. Now, it's not to say that they haven't played a significant role as Jungle Cruise skippers or or in other places in the parks, but boy, here they had a lot of lines to memorize. Even after the TCM revision came in 2015, they still had to kind of spiel back and forth against Robert Osborne, who provided some of the spiel. And besides queuing and boarding and unloading the guests, they were the hosts of the great movie ride. In addition, many of them played the role of the gangster or the robber as well. And these actors did a fantastic job of making fantasy and reality come together. To move from scene to scene, uh, you had to not be afraid of heights because they actually had to go up on top of these high catwalks to go across the attraction to get to the scene where um, where they uh, would reappear. Actually, that in that case, it was actually not the, uh, the the cowboy or the gangster, but it was actually the uh, the original uh, hosts of the great movie ride um, who would have to go up against these catwalks. Well, actually, the others had to come back around to go back to their position and redo the scenes. So, at any rate, they're all deserving of applause. And one of the interesting things that I experienced um, in the last year or two of The Great Movie Ride, my son, who is autistic, kind of had certain favorites he wanted to go on. And in the last year or two, I was so fortunate that one of the things he wanted to go on was The Great Movie Ride. And let me tell you, it that's a big investment of time to get in line and to go on that attraction. But... I studied uh, those actors, and I would say, especially in the last couple of years, they did not drop their performance. They did a superb job. Sometimes, uh, oftentimes, my son wanted to be in the first row, so as we got into being queued up and for which row, we would have to wait for the next um, set to come in. And by the way, 
to make even that more confusing, frustrating. He didn't want to do the frontier scene. He wanted to do the gangster scene. I still don't know why today he liked the gangster scene more than the frontier scene. It may have been um, the fire was intimidating to him. I don't know. But he always did the gangster scene. And, and for um, for a year or two, he actually, we he had a little car he'd, that he had made into a gangster car. And he actually took a little bit of paper and made it look like the fire that came out of the guns in the in the in the car he was just that enamored by the great movie ride but i gotta tell you i it gave me a chance to study the performance of these actors they were great they were amazing and later i would go to other places and other attractions and many of these cast members would come up to me because they remembered my son so well from being on the ride so often and and they came to me and told me personally how much they loved having uh, my son at the great movie ride and how they talked about how fun he was on the ride. So I got to tell you, these cast members were deserving of applause. And by the way, they asked for it as well, because at the end of the show, at the end of the ride, you'd say they'd say, and one more thing, when I yell action, don't forget the thunderous applause for yours truly. Now places, everyone, and action! And you know what? Everybody always applauded. Everybody always applauded the great cast members of the great movie ride. That was number five, number four. The Chinese Theater. Wow, this is... This, I believe, is the symbol that represents Disney's Hollywood Studios. Unfortunately, that not everybody agrees with me, but... Imagineers used 1927 blueprints from the original Grauman's Chinese Theater to build an exact scale replica, at least of the facade, one that represents the way the famed Hollywood theater looked on opening night as opposed to what it looks like today on 6925 Hollywood Boulevard. I show a picture of the actual real one in, in the show notes if you want to see what the real one looks like um, out in L.A., Architects and artists spent two years studying the original structure to replicate it faithfully. Um, and they did an amazing job. After all is said and done, the Chinese theater is the castle at the end of Main Street. Only this time, it's Hollywood Boulevard. The distance from the front of the park, by the way, from the turnstiles of the park to the doorway of the Chinese theater is actually the same distance as the train station to Sleeping Beauty Castle at Disneyland. They use that as the as the configuration for how long the street should be, how long the the um, the central um, hub uh, in front of the theater should be, and then where the theater should actually lie. The roof weighed 22 tons and was built separate of the structure. Uh, along with the ornamentation on top, and then was hoisted in place. The Chinese foodogs, the two Chinese foodogs at the entrance, were replicated precisely and faithfully by artists out in China and then brought back um, to Florida. Within the lobby of the theater was an ever-evolving... First of all, the, the beauty of the theater itself, the lobby of the theater with its decor meticulously put in place, 
that alone was stunningly beautiful. Added to that, they had an ever-evolving showcase of props, costumes, and other memorabilia associated with a number of great movies. For many years, you'd see Mary Poppins' uh, carousel horse that she used in Jolly Holiday. Um, so was the whole chess board from the Millennium Falcon. I I'm sure you a number, a couple of things, um, uh, dresses and outfits from Who Framed Roger Rabbit and from other non-Disney films were often used. Um, and, and I just love, the, here is the really great news. We haven't lost the Chinese theater. It's still there. It's still a beacon. I still think it is to Disney's Hollywood Studios what? Sleeping Beauty Castle is to Disneyland. It is that important. And that's why I put it as number four. Number three, Mary Poppins. Long, long overdue, even before the great movie ride opened, was the need for a Mary Poppins attraction. Mary Poppins is Walt Disney's quintessential cinematic masterpiece. And this was the first time any serious attempt was made at even acknowledging the film in a theme park attraction. So, it's a particular loss now that it is gone. In a piece written by Bob Thomas, and if you don't know who Bob Thomas is, he wrote the official Walt Disney and American original uh, uh, book, uh, which chronicles Walt Disney's life, as well as one for Roy Disney. And so he has intimately known the Walt Disney Company, and he's, he's well known as, as an author in Hollywood. He noted, um, he, quote, he said in one, in one article, Julie Andrews, quote, Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke singing Chim Chim Cheree in Mary Poppins. I remember Walt Disney's pride when the Grauman's Chinese premiere audience cheered the musical fantasy. He was especially proud of Julie, who brought the Disney studio its first Academy Award for a human actor. But even as Mary Poppins proved his greatest film success, Walt's head was already in the clouds dreaming of his next great challenge, Epcot Center and the City of Tomorrow. The only thing, and, and by the way, if you weren't aware, Mary Poppins premiered at the Chinese Theater. It was a... Um, an event that was used to raise funds for what became Cal Arts, which ultimately led to the renaissance of Disney animation because many of the great Disney artists that came out in the uh, came forward in the later 70s and 80s came as a result of establishing Cal Arts, which he had, Walt had two dreams: to build Epcot or Walt Disney World and secondly, to build Cal Arts, And it was used as a fundraising opportunity for CalArts. But all that said and done, the only thing that's giving me solace to the, to the tragedy that Mary Poppins and the entire great movie ride is no longer in place is that Disney has some plans for an attraction at Epcot in the UK Pavilion. And I'm thrilled for this. Now, what I understand, I'll just share some secrets that may be, uh, that it dates this because it may change. But the last thing I had heard is that this is a ride attraction. It's not just a meet and greet as they replicate uh, Cherry Tree Lane 
in the back half of the UK pavilion at Epcot. What I understand it to be is a unique ride vehicle or attraction unlike any other. Someone has said, and I apologize I don't have the source, someone has said that maybe you board a carousel and that carousel lifts up and takes flight. And I think that just might be the case um, with maybe projection or animatronic elements around it. Um, that may be what's happening, but I do know that it is a unique ride system that is coming to this. I'm hoping that that continues to be the case. I have great energy and great hope for Mary Poppins attraction. I do miss it in the great movie ride, and I do look forward to it as um, Epcot's uh, advances in its uh, attractions being built there. Number two, the Wizard of Oz scene. Somewhere Over the Rainbow came to life in this fully developed set that housed the Munchkins. Uh, a yellow brick road led you past Dorothy's home where it had landed on the Wicked Witch of the East whose foot, feet could be seen extending from the porch. Um, Munchkins all erupted in joy singing Ding Dong the Witch is Dead as both sets of ride vehicles came into the middle of the scene. Suddenly, the Wicked Witch of the West appears, making threats. We ask how to get out of here, and the Munchkins join in singing Follow the Yellow Brick Road. And then from there, we pass by Dorothy, the Scarecrow, the Tin Man, and Lion, along with Toto, as, we head, as they head toward the Emerald City themselves. This is a fantastic scene, and I am so sad to see this go. It wasn't a Disney scene, although... Um, MGM, after the success of Mary Poppins, made greenlit this film to because they saw from the success of Snow White that there was a family audience, that they loved color. This was a perfect show. If you remember the film, it begins in black and white and then it goes to color. By the way, the original design for the great movie ride was to have the tornado scene take place before you arrived in... in um, the land of Oz, but but um, but uh, budget-wise and additional royalties were required to do those scenes, and so that was transformed into the Fantasia scene, which I think is actually uh, an important thing to have that um, that homage to Mickey. Ironically, now it's going to be his entire the entire building will be dedicated to him, but that's all good. Bob Thomas, by the way, also wrote about this infamous film. Quote, And now for a trip down the yellow brick road. Funny thing about The Wizard of Oz. It is probably the most played and best loved movie on television. Yet it was a financial flop when first released in theaters. So were Citizen Kane, Fantasia, Bambi, and some other film classics. End of quote. When he says best loved movie on television... That separates some of us because those of us who are baby boomers grew up every year watching The Wizard of Oz on TV, and that's how we came to know it. Um, obviously, that annual showing is best found on Netflix and uh, other places are just simply to rent the video. But, um, but uh, The Wizard of Oz is a timeless classic, and that's why I had to put it as number two because of its grandness in the great movie ride, its detail, its theming, its music, its 
it's yellow bricks. Uh, it, it was just a, a phenomenal part of the great movie ride. Now I come to number one. The number one thing that is the greatest thing about the great movie ride is that it gave birth to Disney's Hollywood Studios. Originally created under the title Great Moments at the Movie at the Movies, this attraction concept was not meant for Disney MGM Studios, but rather for Epcot Center. This would have been placed as an addition to Journey into Imagination, filling in the space between that pavilion and the land pavilion. With Kodak sponsoring Imagination, and Kodak being so much a part of uh, film filmmaking, it made it them a very viable sponsor for building out this attraction. The concept was so good and too big for this location that it was ultimately it ultimately became a park in and of itself. Let me read from Michael Eisner's work in progress. He talks about uh, challenges of Walt Disney World and um, and the need to find a strong theme for a third park. He goes, quote, no single venue had greater had a greater potential to extend the number of days that visitors stayed in our hotels and restaurants and shops. The idea for a movie pavilion at Epcot had come up during our first Saturday visit to Imagineering. But the more we talked about the attraction, the more we recognized that it had the potential to become a separate gated park. Over the coming months, Imagineering worked hard on developing the concept. Under the direction of Bob Weiss, who had joined Disney right out of college, Imagineers developed a series of attractions beginning with the one that had sparked the park in the first place, the Great Movie Ride, which covered the history of the movies. They also then went on to design other attractions that became part of the opening day. Um, which included the Indiana Jones stunt show, which actually opened a few weeks after opening um, because the, uh, the uh, dedication ceremony, some of the entertainment and dedication ceremonies were done there originally, but also the backstage tour, the magic of Disney animation, superstar television, um, the, the sound show, all of these were attractions on opening day. Now, really, it was only a half-day park as it was designed, but the demand was so huge for this park um, that they started opening earlier and earlier in the morning. This is kind of reminiscent of what we've experienced uh, recently with the opening of Rise of the Resistance. They kept opening earlier and earlier so much that by the time they got to the official opening time, the park was already maximized to capacity. In fact, they were actually parking cars in a kind of a donut shape, leaving a hole in the center because they simply didn't have um, enough um, capacity um, in the park um, to park all the cars that were wanting to come in. So to show that it was actually full, they, they made it look full and then kind of moved the, the cars out of there. At any rate, it was... It was so quintessential. The Great Movie Ride is the reason why we have Disney's Hollywood Studios today. Frank Wells made this comment. Um, he felt the concept was so good. Um, 
that he made this note, quote, Kleenex is going to double its business on that ride. It is so nostalgic, so warm, and when you get to the Casablanca scene, I mean, no one is going to hold back. That's how people felt about the great movie ride when it opened. I remember when I first came to Disney MGM Studios, it opened in May and I got there in January of um, the following year. And even though they had now, and by the way, that was what was wonderful about that is that Star Tours had just opened. That was the major attraction that opened um, after its May 1st opening. And uh, I got, I, as I, was, I was so excited to get there. I'd already visited Epcot and the Magic Kingdom, but now on my second visit to Walt Disney World, I got, I was going to visit a Disney MGM Studios and I was so, I was so excited. And as I arrived down and I had a car, a rental car, as I was moving down World Drive, there were signs saying, Disney MGM Studios close. Please move on to Epcot. And I ended up, I ended up having to go to Epcot, and uh, which was okay because I got to see the Wonders of Life, which had also just opened up. But I was like, when do I get to go to the Disney MGM Studios? I want to see that. Well, that was about one o'clock when I was turned away. I came back around three thirty, four o'clock. The rains had come that that afternoon and it sent a lot of people away. And I remember walking in, uh, in fact, the rains that actually turned on many of the uh, the uh, neon lights along Hollywood Boulevard. And uh, and it just looked magical with the puddles of rain there. And I instinctively kind of turned toward the right past the big Disney MGM Studios arch with Leo the Lion on the archway there as well as Mickey and went toward the backstage tour, but the lines were still phenomenally long with that attraction that I ended up coming back out and my first attraction was the Great Movie Ride. And I, it was a wow experience. I so remember that. It was a wow experience. So much within that 90,000 square foot space. It was uh, so amazing. Well, as they say in showbiz, that's a wrap. The Great Movie Ride closed in 2017 to make way for Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. Labeled as the first major Mickey-themed ride through attraction at Walt Disney World, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway will put guests into kind of a wacky and unpredictable world where a Mickey Mouse cartoon short will uh, come to life. When they get there, they rather than boarding the uh, these uh, tram cars, they'll be going alongside, um, they'll see Mickey and Minnie who are preparing for a picnic. They'll drive alongside Goofy's train and they'll board that train with Goofy as the engineer and that will create a new zany, out of control adventure. I have to admit, I'm excited for this new attraction and I'm thrilled that it celebrates Mickey and Minnie Mouse. That said, I wish they had found another space. There's still other space at the studios. I wish they had found another space to put that there. They could have done a whole themed land around Mickey and Minnie because we really don't have a Toontown area like Disneyland does. You know, for I think what could have been 10 million or so, 
maybe a little bit north of that. I think they could have changed out a couple of those scenes. Alien, I felt, needed to go. Um, you could have put in something with Star Wars there that could have taken the legacy of Star Wars, the scenes that involved uh, Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader, which people say are missing from Galaxy's Edge. I think a few things like that could have done a great job to have to have made that attraction still work and still be timeless today. But the decision was made and it's not there anymore and it's moved on and now it's history. That said, I wanted to make sure we celebrated it today. If you like the heritage and history of this movie theme park, Disney's Hollywood Studios, then my book, Disney's Hollywood Studios from Showbiz to Your Biz is something to check out. It was written before Toy Story Land and Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, but still it's a behind the camera look at how Disney creates showbiz magic and how you can get your own business ready for its close-up. Include our over 40 chapters of park history, Disney trivia, and best in business practices. So. Go to Amazon, make sure you check out Disney's Hollywood Studios from showbiz to your biz. We appreciate you joining us for this Disney at Play podcast. We love Disney and we think you're a fan of Disney. So please subscribe, please join us, please. If you like what you have, what you see here, both in our podcasts and our posts and so forth, let others know. Subscribe, send out a positive uh, uh rating and maybe uh, some positive remarks on our sites. We just really appreciate all the support you can in helping share what we are trying to do to create the best in Disney, whether it's at play or at work. And in summary, going back to the great ride attraction at Tokyo Disney Sea, Sinbad's Storybook Voyage, remember, as you go throughout your day, as you go throughout your life, always follow the compass of your heart. We'll see you at the studios. Have a great day.